Father, thank you that you are sovereign over all things, and you, you have a good purpose in all that you, all that you do and all that you allow. And uh, Lord, we turn to you now because you alone have the answers to our deepest needs and just our everyday needs. Um, so, Father, we, we ask that you, by your Spirit, would speak to us now as we open your word together. Uh, Lord, you, you alone can do what needs to happen in our hearts that we would, we would value you above all other things, that you would be the one we come to for everything that we need. So, uh, by your spirit, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, as we finish up our week of prayer, and I hope that you had the opportunity to either uh, join one of the gatherings during the week, I was at several of them, it's a good time, or you, you set aside some special time for yourself or maybe your family, whoever's in your home, to pray. But we want to finish up the week of prayer by looking at what is probably the most famous prayer that we have, we call it the Lord's Prayer. The Bible doesn't actually do that, but that's how we've come to know it. Where Jesus is instructing his followers on prayer, and he gives them these words. And it's important to know that the point of this is not that you and I must recite these exact words verbatim. Uh, whenever we pray, we know that because we have several other prayers throughout the New Testament, prayed by Jesus, prayed by his apostles, written down for us in inspired scripture, and they don't do that. They don't just recite these words. Instead, what Jesus gives us here is uh, a pattern, a template for prayer or you could say it this way, he, he highlights important priorities that you and I should regularly be praying for. And it isn't that we shouldn't pray for anything else. In fact, the Bible instructs us to pray for other things besides what are in this prayer. But these are things we definitely should pray for on a regular basis. And that's helpful, because one of the things people often struggle with in prayer is, I, what should I pray for? I, I'm not sure. Or what words should I use? Well, Jesus gives us good help here. So we're going to focus in on verses 11 through 13, but let's go ahead and I'm going to read the whole thing beginning at verse 9. So Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus instructs us that when we pray, we are to come to God and come to him 
approach him as our Father in heaven. And then we are to pray that his name, which means the essence of who he is, his very person, would be hallowed. That means it would, that in our hearts we would regard God as supremely holy, utterly set apart, utterly unique. There is no one like God. God alone is God. That we would hallow his name. And then we ask for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that feels especially relevant after the kind of week we've had that God's will would be done. And then Jesus says there are three things, or there are, there are some things that we should ask our Father in heaven to give us, and he mentions three in particular. We should pray that he would give us our daily bread. We should pray that he will forgive our debts, as we have forgiven those who are indebted to us, And we should pray that he will deliver us from evil. Now, why does he tell us to ask for those three things in particular? Out of all the things we could be asking our Father for, why those three things? Well, let's let's think about that for a few minutes. Let's start with the first one. Daily bread. Why does Jesus tell us to ask for daily bread? Well, he is teaching us how completely dependent we are on God for even the most basic needs that we have. You can't get more basic than bread. Bread represents essential food, and you and I need food. We can't survive without it. We've got to have it. We've got to have our daily bread. Without it, we can't live. And Jesus is saying that we are to ask God for it, which means we're not self-sufficient. That is one of the biggest delusions out there, that somehow we don't need anybody else, we don't need God, we don't need anyone to provide for us, we can handle it on our own, we can make our own way. We don't really need God. You know, if believing in God helps you, well, that's fine for you, but you don't really need him. And there are a lot of people who think that, who think that's true. You know, some of them might think, for example, yeah, I can, I can provide my own food. I don't need God to give me daily bread. I'll just plant some seeds in the ground, and I'll water them, and they'll grow, and I'll harvest my own food. I'll be fine. okay. Where are you going to get the seeds? Where are you going to get the dirt? Where are you going to get the water? You can't create any of those things. We can't make those things. And how are you going to cause the seeds to grow? What are you going to do to make them grow? You need sunshine? It's God's sun. You need rain? That seems a funny thing to ask around here, but... It's God's rain. You need air? It's God's air. Look at Acts 17.25. God himself gives everyone life 
and breath <laughs> and everything else. How much could you do if God didn't give you breath? I mean, if God stopped giving us providing breath, we'd all stop breathing. That's it. We're done. So regardless of what we might think, we are dependent on God. We need God to provide the essentials of life. Uh, now, it is true that the way God normally provides those things is through our efforts, things that we do. Jesus said at one point, look at the birds. Look at how your heavenly father provides for them. Well, how does he provide for them? He doesn't just toss the food in the nests, right? They got to go out and get it. And the same is true for you and me. That's, that's how God set it up. Here's the point though. Everything that you and I do to provide for ourselves always, always, always depends on what God first provides. His provision is always first. Even when we give, we can only give because he's given to us first. Now, the, the good thing is, the good news is, that because Jesus tells us to ask, he must be inclined to answer and give us what we need. You know, maybe you've thought, I know I've thought, others have, ah, you know, I don't know if I should really bother God with this need that I have. I mean, he's obviously got bigger things to do. Look at Washington, D.C. There's a lot for him to work on there. Um, yeah, but, but remember, how does Jesus tell us to approach God as our Father, what do good fathers do for their children? They provide. That is one of the hallmarks of being a dad, of being a good dad. You provide for your kids. So, Matthew 7, 9, <laughs> Jesus says to the guy standing around him, okay, which one of you fathers, you know, if his son asks him for bread, is going to give him a stone? Or... If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Well, if you then, who are evil, that's interesting, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So ask. Ask. And ask daily. Daily. Notice it says daily bread. Because at the time this was written, there was just enough bread for the day. That's how it worked. And in many cultures today, that's still true. But even here in our culture, where we have enough, you know, we buy bread for what? A week, maybe two even at a time? Because we got freezers and stuff. Even so, we still have to eat every day. It's still a daily thing. And that's by design. That is by design. You ever wonder that? Why did God create us to need food? Why did he create us to need water and need air and need sleep? Wouldn't life be much more productive if we didn't have to bother with that stuff? Well, the lesson is we need God to provide for us and we need to rely on him every day. 
whether we think we do or not. We are dependent. And what's true then of bread is true also of the other things Jesus tells us to ask for. So he says, pray that, pray your father, say, forgive us our debts. And here that's talking about sin, our need for forgiveness. And that means we need forgiveness every day. And he says, then pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need protection every day. Protection from our own inclinations that are sinful and protection from the evil forces around us. We need God's protection. So Jesus is teaching us here to regularly, at least daily, ask our Father in heaven to provide everything that we need. It's not selfish. It's not unspiritual to ask God for the things you need. Sometimes people think that. They think, well, you know, prayer shouldn't be about asking God for things. Prayer should just be praising him and praying for other things besides our own needs. Well, yes, prayer should be more about more than our needs. We looked at the first part of this prayer. It's not mainly about meeting our needs. But it's not selfish or unspiritual to ask for our needs because Jesus tells us to do it. He says, God wants to meet your needs. It's good for you. It's good for you to regularly ask God to meet your needs. And I think it would be helpful for us to think about why. Why it is good. Because I know prayer can be difficult. It can be difficult. It can be hard to make time for. And it can be really easy to let other things squeeze prayer out of your life. So if we can remember why it is good that we regularly ask God to provide for our needs, then I think that will help us, help us be more consistent. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some reasons why it is good to ask God daily for him to provide for our needs. I'm going to give you two reasons. Here's the first one. Because it gives us perspective. It gives us perspective. Praying daily for God to meet our needs regularly reminds us who God is and who we are. It helps us remember who is God and who isn't God. That's really important. See, when I, when I pray this way, when you, when you pray this way, we are acknowledging that God is the giver. He's the giver. We're the receivers. We're acknowledging that God is sufficient. God's got all the resources. I am needy. I need what He alone can give. And we're acknowledging that God is a good Father. He's a generous giver. And we are needy, dependent children who need to trust our Father to provide what is needed. What we're talking about here is an appropriate humility. 
and appropriate humility. Take a look at Romans 12.3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment. What does that mean? Well, I think you can get at it if you think about what the opposite of sober judgment is. What would that be? Intoxicated judgment. You know what the big main problem with being intoxicated is? You don't think clearly. You, you have a distorted view of reality. People who are intoxicated think they're funnier than they are. I, I remember talking to somebody who obviously had too much to drink. And they thought they were hilarious. Not so much. Uh, they also talked way louder than they needed to. I was like, I'm right here, shh, quiet. Um, so they, they think they're funnier than they are. They, you, you think you're smarter than you are if you're intoxicated. You think you're more capable of doing things than you are, like driving a car. So to think about yourself with sober judgment means to think truthfully about yourself. To think the truth. It means realizing that you're not God. And it's always best for everybody if you remember that and I remember that. Because see, if I don't remember who God is and I, I get confused about that, I'm going to do stupid things. I'm going to look to other things or other people to meet needs, the, the needs that only God can meet. Because I need, and you need, unconditional love. Well, who can provide that? Only God can. Or a true sense of meaning and purpose and worth. Who can provide that? Only God can. So if I look to other people, other things to give me that, it's going to be a problem. And if I don't remember who God is... I'm going to try to control things that I have no control over. When our three boys were younger, uh, we would sometimes play this video game called Super Smash Brothers. And uh, if you don't know what that is, you're fine. <laughs> you can live a long and happy life without, without knowing that. But it's this video game, and and everybody chooses a, a character to control. The, you know, so we could, we could play with four at a time. So three of my sons and, and me, and everybody chooses a character, and they've all got special moves and abilities and everything. And it's basically, you know, you fight each other, and whoever's the last man standing wins. Well, I was never, ever the last man standing. In fact, I was usually the first man face down in the dirt. And I had two problems. I had two problems every time I played this game. The first problem was, is I could not keep track of all the controls. Because on this controller, there's like 300 different buttons. And they all do different stuff. And with different combinations of buttons, you can make your guy do all kinds of stuff. And so I'd quickly get eliminated. And I watched my son's playing this. And our guy on the screen would just do something amazing. And I would say, how'd you do that? He said, I don't really know. I think it's over, over, A, down, over, B. 
Oh, okay. Sure. Of course. So I, I didn't know which button to push sometimes. And then, this, this was the worst problem. I would sometimes, I'd be watching the guys on the screen, and I'd forget which guy was mine. <laughs> and I'd be looking at the wrong guy. And so then I would, with the controller, you know, do something to make the guy move right, the guy I think is mine, and he's moving left. And then I'd, say, you know, I'd hit the button to make him jump. And he'd do something else. He'd swing a sword or something. And I'd just get so frustrated because I thought the problem was, I thought the problem was, I'm pushing the wrong button. I'm pushing the wrong button. That wasn't the problem. I was looking at the wrong guy. I'd completely lost perspective. I was trying to control something I had no control over. Well, let me ask you, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever find yourself frustrated in life, wondering, which button, which button do I push here to fix this? Maybe the problem is not finding the right button. Maybe the problem is you're trying to control something you have no business trying to control. And I guarantee you, if your problem is a person and you're trying to find out which button to push to control them, you have no business trying to control that. What you need is perspective. You need to remember who God is and you need to remember who you are. And that's why this prayer starts with God and not with us. It's perspective. Remembering who God is is our biggest need. That is our biggest need. Before we ask for anything else, we need to ask for a clear vision of who He is. We need to know Him as our Father in heaven. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And we need to regard Him as holy. Oh man, there is so much in that. Remembering that God alone is God, that He is the only one worthy of our worship. He is the only one worthy of our ultimate loyalty. We need to belong to His kingdom. We need to pursue His will. In other words, we need a God-centered perspective on everything. And so, praying daily for Him to provide for our needs helps us keep that perspective. It helps us remember who God is and who we are. See, we're dependent on God every day. I already referred to this, but we, you know, whether we realize it or not, we're totally dependent on Him. Here's the thing, though. We don't always feel dependent, do we? We don't always feel dependent. Daily bread? I'm half tempted to ask how many of you this morning either asked God or thanked God for your daily bread and realized if he didn't provide it, you wouldn't have it. But I'm not going to do that. But I know how many times, well, no, I don't actually know how many times I've gone through a day without remembering to ask God to provide for my daily bread. Because, you know, if, if, if your house is like mine, there's, there's bread there. It's not, it's not, Finding bread that's the 
challenge. It's deciding which bread. Let's see, potato, rye, white, whole wheat, sourdough, gluten-free. But think about it. And, and this should be easier to remember or easier to imagine than it used to. Imagine that the rain stopped falling. Imagine that the farms stopped producing. Imagine that the trucks stopped running. It wouldn't be very long until those bread shells were empty. You remember the first couple of months of the coronavirus shutdown, right? Go in the store, hope you don't need toilet paper or cleaning products, disinfectants, certain canned foods, rice, no yeast for baking bread. That was weird. So the idea, the idea that we can run, never run out of food is an illusion. It is just an illusion. We are dependent on God for all of our needs all of the time, whether we realize it or not. And so asking Him to provide helps us keep perspective. When I honor God as my provider, when I remember He provides and I honor Him as my provider, it helps keep me from playing God. And that's a good thing. So, gives us perspective. Here's the other reason why it's good to ask daily for God's provision. It keeps us connected. It keeps us connected. Here's a common question that comes up about prayer. You've probably asked it. I know I've asked it or you've at least thought it. If God already knows what I need, why does he want me to ask for it? Well, it's not to remind him that we need those things. In fact, Jesus tells us explicitly not to pray like that. Look at Matthew 6, 7 and 8. Jesus says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for, here you go, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, well, if He already knows, why does He, have, why does he want me to ask? Why do I have to ask? This is really significant. It's because the purpose of the prayer is not to give Him information. It's to give him our attention. We're not giving him information that he doesn't have. We're giving him our attention. It's an act of relationship. We come to him. We remember who he is. We acknowledge who he is. And we, we talk to him. That's really what prayer is. And we ask him for what we need. And because we're dependent on him for everything we have, that keeps us coming. The truth is, and it's kind of sad to say, but the truth is, if you and I didn't have any material needs, we'd probably be a whole lot less aware of our spiritual needs. The more needy you feel, the more likely you are to pray. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. Everything in life's going swimmingly. It's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I should pray once in a while. But man... When your life 
is hard, when situations are heartbreaking, what do you do? You pray. You feel your need. And the more needy you feel, the more likely you are to pray. Now, there's a great example of this back in the Old Testament. When God used Moses to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they'd lived in Egypt for like 400 years, and they'd been in slavery. When they first came out, hardship and suffering and poverty, that was all they had known. So they knew, they knew they needed God to act on their behalf. And we see them there in the first pages of Exodus, crying out to the Lord for his deliverance. Okay, but soon they're going to enter into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and things are going to get different. They're going to be very different. So before they go in, God gives them this warning in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and this is very relevant for affluent American Christians. Take a look. God says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord, praise Yahweh your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through that vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless place with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Look at this. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So the fact that we're dependent keeps us, helps keep us connected. You know, we don't want to be like teenagers. No offense if you're a teenager, but I remember being this way. If I didn't ever have to ask my parents for stuff, I probably wouldn't talk to them. Not because I didn't like them. I just other things to do. So it helps keep us connected. Now, I want you to think for a minute here about how to respond to this reality that you and I are completely dependent on God for everything and that Jesus instructs us to ask our Father in heaven regularly, daily, for what we need. How do we respond to that fact? Well, there's three ways, basically, that you can respond. You can, first of all, deny it. We can just live in denial and pretend we don't really need God. And this is where a lot of people are at. Even people who say they believe in God, even people who say they're Christians, practically speaking, they, they might say, oh yeah, I believe, I totally believe, I know he's there. 
But they don't act like he's there. They don't live like he's there. There's no connection. There's no sense of dependence. There's no relying on him in any actual practical way. They live as if God is unnecessary. Do you do that? See, that's intoxicated thinking. The second way we can respond is we can dislike it or resent it. Just kind of irritates us. God says we're dependent on Him. And we're like, oh, how dare you? How dare you say I need God's provision? I need God's forgiveness? Come on, I'm a good person. I need God's protection. I, I can handle myself, I can provide for my needs. I don't need God to give me stuff. I'm independent. But with every breath you breathe and every bite you eat, your body contradicts you. You do need Him. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So we could deny it, we could dislike it. The third option, which is the good option, we can delight in it. We can delight in it. Look at Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight. Find your ultimate happiness, your ultimate joy in God. Be like a little kid who just, when daddy walks in the room, goes running up to him and wants to jump in his arms and play. And, and they don't resent their dependence. They ask because they know dad's going to provide. They delight in him. That's what you and I were made for. That's why for God to be self-centered for him is a virtue. Not for anybody else. I mean, if I came up to you and said, hey, I just want you to know, you need me. In fact, you need me. You should put me at the very center of your life. All of your life should revolve around me. If I said that, whether you said it out loud or not, what you would say is, wow, what an arrogant idiot. And you'd be right. But I'm not God. God really is the greatest. And if He's going to make you happy, think about this. Let's say God's goal is to give you eternal, ultimate, complete satisfaction and happiness. What's He going to have to do for you? He's going to have to tell you to put Him at the center of your life. He's going to have to tell you to worship and delight in Him above all things. He's going to have to tell you to depend on Him. If God did not do that, He wouldn't really love us. So don't deny it. Don't dislike it. Delight in it. Delight in your dependence. And then just be amazed that God even wants to meet your needs because you don't deserve it. And I don't either. Not at all. Well, there's one more thing to say. If you have never crossed the line of faith 
and you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ, then for you, your, your greatest need is not any of these material needs we've been talking about. Or any, your greatest need is to know him. Is to know him. Jesus said this. This is in John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now he's talking here about spiritual hunger. Spiritual, he's talking about that deep down soul longing for, for ultimate satisfaction, ultimate purpose, ultimate meaning. We all have that hunger. But because of sin, our sin, we're separated from God who alone can meet those needs. Only Jesus can bridge that gap because only He died to take away our sin and make us right with God who is holy. So if you have never, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, that is your greatest need. That is the thing to ask for. To say, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness because I know that I've sinned. I know I've done what God hates. I need your forgiveness. I need your leadership in my life. And so today I choose. I choose to believe that the death you died on that cross was included my sins. And that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Today I'm asking you to do that for me. Come into my life and make me yours. And the Bible says that when we do that, He makes us part of God's family forever. He gives us that relationship. So, 1 John 5.11 God gave, please note that word, He gave eternal life. We don't earn it. It's not a wage. It's a gift. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. We just went through Christmas. We exchanged gifts. Where's the gift? Well, it's in a box. It's wrapped up. Well, this gift is not. It's not in a box. It's in a person. The person of God's Son, Jesus. Whoever has the Son, whoever has the Son, a faith relationship with the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And when you open God's gift by receiving Christ, then you really can pray this model prayer because the first words will now be true for you when you say, Father. Because see, apart from you entering into a relationship with Him through Jesus, through faith in Christ, you can't honestly call Him Father. So if you've never done that, whether you're here in the building or you're tuning in online, you can do that today. Just ask. You don't have to ask out loud. But ask Him. Ask Jesus to give you the gift of eternal life, to make you right with God, to make you His child.
and he will. And I'd love it if you would, on your Connect card, when you fill that out, just indicate that today, today you ask Jesus to meet your greatest need, your need to know him. And uh, put some contact information there and we can follow up and pray with you and encourage you. And all of us who have already entered into that relationship, we need to learn the lesson here of conscious dependence on God for everything and to come to him regularly and address him as our father and remember who he is. Pray for those big things and to pray for our needs. Depend on him. Let's, let's uh, conclude with prayer. Go ahead and bow your heads. And, and I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds, a minute or so, and just give you opportunity to pray there quietly, whatever it is you need to say to God. And then I'll, I'll close this. Father in heaven, Lord, please cause our hearts to hallow your name, to, to delight in your ultimate worth, to love your glory, to value you above all other things, to worship you alone. Lord, Use us and work in this world that your kingdom might come and your will might be done here on earth as in heaven. Joyfully, reverently, authentically, may your will be done. And Lord, we ask you to give us everything we need, our daily bread, forgiveness for all the sins, we know about and even the ones we don't know about and we ask that you would protect us from any desire that would lead us away from you and protect us from any spiritual evil that would try to harm us. And we pray these things because you've instructed us to, because you love us, because you want us to rely on you and delight in you. And I pray for anybody who's watching or listening that if they have not yet taken that step of asking Jesus to forgive and save them and make them part of your family, that, that you would today draw them to yourself and you would help them take that step. And now, Lord, as we go out, we pray that you would guide and lead and direct and protect us And uh, now that the prayer week is officially over, help us not think, okay, we don't need to pray. In fact, may that just have been good training that we keep praying. And uh, Lord, that we would be known as a people who pray with great humility and earnestness. We thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.